Anyone ready for the new? Because we're in a series called Into the New. Just because it's a new year doesn't mean it's going to be new. We have to embrace the new. We have to walk in. Well, we don't have to. We can live in the old. The date can change, but we can still be living in the old thing. Or we could live in the new thing. I want, don't miss out on the new fun. Don't miss out on the new things God is doing at this church. We are going into the new. When you were a little boy, are you taking a picture of me right now? So, do I, what do you want me to do? Pause? You want me to do that awkward, like, I remember, like, uh, I think it was in high school, like, the senior photo was you had to do the, <laughs> like, my neck really hurts. So, like, I don't know, like, it's the most awkward thing ever. So, when you were really little, because Ian went everywhere, and he loved to golf. Ian loved to golf. I mean, he didn't even like watching cartoons when he wasn't, like, when we are doing something at the house, and he would just watch golf, like, the instructional golf, not even just the tournaments. <laughs> and so, we would go golfing. He'd be three years old, four years old. When you were four, we won a father-son golf tournament, not because of how well I did, but he, as a four-year-old, he was, like, a crazy good golfer. And yet, he had a bad habit. I don't know who he got it from. But when he got upset on the golf course, he would just throw his golf club. He would throw his golf club and he would say, I'm not the great Ian. Like, what, kiddo, like, I'm not the great Ian. He'd be in the bunker. And like, you know, most golfers just want to get out of the bunker. He would, as, at four years old, hit it out of the bunker, like five feet from the hole, and he would throw his club. I'm not the great Ian. Why? Because it didn't go in the hole. It's supposed to go in the hole. Well, it's because you're watching the highlights on the golf channel, right? Like, that's why. And I wonder in life, if we're watching the highlights of other people, and we're like, I'm not the great so-and-so. I don't have the great life. You look at your house. I don't have the great house. You look at your spouse. I don't have the... I want to announce to you today that you can be great, that you can be the great Ian, that, that you can be the great Sally, Mike, Bill, whatever it is. Tomorrow we celebrate the great uh, Martin Luther King Jr. It's actually his birthday tomorrow. And um, the, the life, the legacy, one of the things Martin Luther King Jr. said, of all the, of one of the amazing things he said, so many, but he said, everyone can be great because anybody can serve. You only need a heart full of grace, a soul generated by love, and you can be that servant. That's what Martin Luther King Jr. said. Let's see what the Bible has to say about this as we go to Matthew chapter 20. Normally, I, uh, I teach out of the NIV. Today, I'll be teaching out of the, the passion because of it just words a few, a few things here that I, I think will help us understand in our culture today what it really means to be great. Beginning in verse 20. The wife of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons, Jacob, a.k.a. this is James, and John. She knelt before him and asked him for a favor. He said to her, what is it that you want? She answered, make the decree that these, my sons, will rule with you in your kingdom, one sitting on your right hand, one on your left. <laughs> Jesus replied, you don't know what you are asking. <laughs> then looking in the eyes of Jacob and John, Jesus said, are you prepared to drink from the cup of suffering that I am about to drink? Are you able to endure the baptism unto death that I am 
about to endure? They answered him, yes, we are able. You will indeed drink the cup of my suffering and be immersed into my death, Jesus told them. But to be the ones who sit at the place of highest honor is not mine to decide. My father is the one who chooses them and prepares them. The other 10 disciples were listening to all of this, and a jealous anger arose among them against the two brothers. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, called them to his side and said, kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects like tyrants. It's still happening today. (laughs) But this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. The greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others because the greatest honor and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served, but to serve and to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many." God, I thank you that you would help this word penetrate deep into our spirits, that as our minds are alert, our ears are open, and our hearts are receptive, we would receive everything you have for us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Last week, we talked about having the spirit of a warrior, that there are some things that are worth fighting for. Our faith is worth fighting for. Our families, worth fighting for. Our future is worth fighting for. Our freedom is worth fighting for. And today I want to talk with you about having the heart of a servant to discover what true greatness actually is. What do you want in life? Like you're, you're here this morning, like what do you want? What, what are you praying for these days? A lot of people, they're they're praying or they want to be like rich and famous, power and prestige. And you're like, I just want more money in my bank account. Someone's here like, I just want to find Mr. or Mrs. Wright. I just, I, I, I just want, I want that. I remember a song from back in the day by Callaway, I want to be rich. <laughs> what, what do you want? In high school, I ended up finding a project I had done in high school as I was looking through some old photos for Ian's birthday. And, and, and I said, as a 16-year-old, in 10 years, I will have graduated from Stanford University. Now, I was going to go to Stanford, but I ended up following a girl to a different school, so I didn't go to Stanford. I said a few other things, and then I said, and I will be married, and I will have a kid, hopefully a boy. Sorry, girls, I don't know why I just, but, you know. <laughs> so what, what, what do you want? You, you get this, this mom and her sons, James and John, who are approaching Jesus. Now, I don't know if it was the mom who grabbed her boys. Come on, we got to beat Peter to ask Jesus this because, you know, Peter's aggressive. Come on, boys. I, as a parent, you want what's best for your kids, as a parent, you, you want your kids to discover their purpose. As a parent, you want your kids to find fulfillment in life. As a parent, you want your kids to have peace. Like, more so than even yourself, you, you want your kids to, 
to experience success, but we all want to be successful ourselves too. So I wonder if it's the mom saying, come on boys, let's go to Jesus, or if it's James and John like, hey, listen, I don't know if we ask him, what about, he's going to have a hard time saying no to mama. Like, so can, can you ask him for us? They go to Jesus and like, we want to get there first. As a kid, we'd be going out to the car and I was shotgun. I said it I said it first. Isn't it amazing how so much of our lives is viewed as a competition? Like rather than collaborating with other people, we want to get there first. Because if we get there first, then we, should, then we should get it. Now, the disciples had already been arguing over who would be the greatest. <laughs> this, this had already happened. They were already arguing. I wonder who's going to be the greatest. Uh, you know, well, John, I know you're loving, but you know, Peter, I'm, I, I'm the aggressive one. Like already arguing over who would be the greatest. We, are, we argue over who's the greatest. Who's the greatest basketball player of all time? Who's the GOAT? LeBron. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who's the greatest football player of all time? Did someone say Ray Lewis? <laughs> you see how like, what, you, you get different answers. We, want, we talk about who's the greatest. There's a desire in us as, as humans to be great. There's something on the inside of us where we want our life to make a difference. There's something on the inside of us where, where we want to know I'm here for a reason. The desire to be great isn't bad. Oftentimes we place this desire in misguided areas. So it, it, it's, mis, it's misdirected. Jesus had already told them, Who, whoever wants to be great is the servant of all. Who's going to be, you want to be first, you got to be last. Whoever last is going to be is going to be first. This culture that we are born into wants us to believe one thing. Wants us to believe that, that the greatest of all is, is the person with the most money. That the greatest of all is, is the most successful CEO. That, that the greatest of all is whoever wins the most awards at the awards show. That's the culture we're born into. But when you accept Jesus into your life, you are born again. And we're born again into a different culture. So the culture that we come into as, as humans in the world is a different culture than, than this culture that we come into when we're born again and we, we decide to follow Jesus. Life can be a little bit like uh, E.B. White wrote, uh, I arise in the morning torn between a desire to improve the world and a desire to enjoy the world. This makes it hard to plan the day. Does anyone ever find yourself like that? You wake up, I want to change the world, but I also want to, I want to enjoy it. Jesus tells, he tells James and John and their mom, like, you don't know what you're asking. I wonder if Jesus would be telling us that today. Like, you don't know what you're asking. Well, Jesus, I'm just, I'm just asking. I just want to be married. He's like, you don't know what you're asking. You're like, uh. and all the married people are like, yeah, they don't know what they're asking. 
<laughs> you're like, like you're, you're like, Jesus, I'm just asking you, I, this business that I want to launch, like, like, let it happen this month. And he's like, you don't really understand what you're asking. The house that, that you're praying for, you don't really know what you're asking because there's always a cost. There's always a cost associated with it. When Lindsay has something arrive at the door and then she'll try it on. She'll be like, how do you like this? She'll, you know, try it on, give a little bit. I'll be like, how much is it? <laughs> be, because there's a, there's a cost. You want to get married? Oh, I, I, there's a cost. I'm not talking about the cost of the wedding. I'm talking about the cost of building a relationship. You want to launch the company. I'm not talking about the startup cost. I'm talking about the cost of staying up because you're the, only, the buck stops with you and other people have called in sick and you got to make sure that those deliveries get taken care of. There is a, there is a cost and Jesus asks them, you're not ready. Are you ready? And they think they're ready. Yes, but the path is a difficult one. So today I want you to be inspired to be great, but I also want you to be informed because there's nothing more frustrating than living a life where you are inspired, but you're not informed. That the path to greatness is not what you think it is. James would be the first disciple to be martyred. He would be the first disciple to be killed. John would endure serious hard times. When I, like, Jesus, I'm following you. And I, I know the cost. I didn't know the cost. I didn't know the people that would betray me. I didn't know what would be written about me that's not even true. I didn't, like, you're like, I, there, is the, there is the pain of living your purpose. There's a difference between our wants and God's ways. We want glory without suffering. But how God often works is he takes our suffering and he transforms it into glory. We're gonna see that. So you get this mom and her two boys. Can, they, can one of them sit at your right hand, your left hand? Can they have the positions of honor? And the other disciples are upset. They're bothered. They're, they're angry. Isn't it amazing how we get upset, how we get jealous and angry? Selfishness only leads to dissension and division. Like people, like with the things we get upset about, getting upset. <laughs> Do you know who they made lead usher <laughs> at the church? And I have been here longer. <laughs> Do you know? Do you know who gets to be out front in parking and I get to be in the back? things we get upset about. Selfishness only leads to dissension and division. It happens, it happens in families. You have a family that's close, siblings getting along, and then the remaining parent passes away and inheritance gets given out. And now you've got siblings that won't even talk to each other anymore. You see it in politics. That selfishness only leads to dissension and division. But Jesus teaches a different model. Yes. Jesus, Jesus teaches a different method. 
You see, we think, we think greatness is how many people report to us. We, we think greatness is having an office on the top floor in the corner. When Lindsay was in Chicago, living in Chicago, and she worked at a private equity firm, and getting to see they had the three floors on the highest building in Chicago, glass everywhere, and getting to see, I was like, Who's, whose office is that? Oh, that's the CEO's. Whoa, where does he live? Oh, he lives like an hour outside of the city, but he flies in on a private jet. He has his pilot pick him up, bring, then he has a driver picks him up from the airport. I'm like, what does he have those, yeah, people like bringing coffee to him and pouring it in his mouth? Like, we think that that is greatness. The CEOs, the, the celebrities who have this many followers, but, but with Jesus, it's a different way. Our earthly kings had servants, but our heavenly king came as a servant. You see, Jesus will walk on water to get to you, but Jesus will get down on his, on his knees and he'll wash your feet with water to get something into you. That the greatest of all is the servant of all. And I want to propose to you three aspects of being a servant. The first, deny yourself. You're like, say what? <laughs> deny yourself. Denying self is not the same as self-denial. Completely different. Self-denial is when we occasionally give up something for a good purpose. Uh, New Year's resolutions. I'm not going to eat sugar for the first 30 days of the year. Okay, cool. That's self-denial. Someone's like, I'm not going to yell at my spouse for the first 30 <laughs> seconds of every day. <laughs> I, I'm not, but, but to deny self is when you surrender yourself completely to Jesus and you obey his will. Back in the day, uh, when I was a teenager, we went to this place called Skate Junction. I don't even know if it's around these days. And like I grew up and I was an athlete, you know, played baseball and football. But it's a whole different ball game when you're on roller skates. And you see those people out there that just make everyone look bad. Because you'd go there and they're the ones who were like doing the crisscrossing and, you know, they're doing all this and they're like, you know, they got, and then they turn around, you know, those people like backwards and they're the ones like, you know, doing all the stuff. And here I am like, like near the wall. Just don't fall, don't fall. And then they then the, on the. The announcement, it's time for the hokey pokey. Everyone to the middle of the rink. It's like I try to go to the bathroom, but someone pulls you in, right? You're out there. Like the hokey pokey is hard enough without skates. You try doing the hokey pokey on roller skates. You're just like, you know, and it's just like you put your right foot in, you put your Right foot out, you put your right foot in and you shake it all about. I'm like, everything's shaking right now. I'm just trying not to, you're holding on to people, like trying, to, trying not to fall down. And that's how so many of us are in our relationship with Jesus. 
Because we come on Sundays and we put our, put our right foot in, we're holding on to other people trying not to fall down. <laughs> like, but, oh, but then we got something on Friday night, so we take our right foot out because we just, like, we put, we, we, oh, come on, you know you, you could shake it all about, right? <laughs> we, we're, we're a little bit in, we're a little bit out. That, that's what self-denial is. But to deny, to deny self means, Jesus, I am all yours. That is a one-time decision that is followed up by many decisions on a daily basis. <laughs> From a human point of view, this looks like you're losing yourself. From a cultural point of view, it looks like you're losing yourself. Culture tells us the opposite. Oh, be the true you. Be the true, whatever you feel, express yourself. But to be a servant of God is actually like, no, you deny yourself. But then from a divine perspective, you're actually discovering who God has created and called you to be. And you don't lose yourself. You find your true self. What do you need to deny? We don't have time, so I won't go there. <laughs> but to deny yourself is not an act of desperation. It is an act of devotion. Oh, you can be great. Will you deny yourself? What's well, the second thing? Will you give more than you get? So many of us have this perspective, uh, what do I get out of it? You know why marriages oftentimes fall apart? Because each person is, what do I get out of it? They're not doing this for me, for me, for me. I'm not getting, I'm not getting, I'm not good. What if instead of what do I get out of this, what can I give in this situation? At this church, we encourage you to get plugged in serving. We even say, it's not what we want from you, it's what we want for you. But we want God's love to flow through you to other people. Adam Grant, who's an organizational psychologist, writes about three different kinds of people. He says, there's one type that are the takers. Come on, we all have takers in our life. You know those people, you're out to eat with a group of people and the bill comes and they're always in the restroom. <laughs> and then they're like, they get back and they're like, wait. And you're like, yo, you just bought coffee and you scanned your phone. Like, it's like, takers. Takers just trying to squeeze things out of you. There's a, a second type of person, which is called a, a matcher, that, that, that will do something for you in order for you to do something for them. Or if you do something for them, they want to do exactly, they, they want to match whatever you did. But then there's a third type of person who are just givers, who don't care about getting anything from you. They just want to give. Oh, we have givers in this church. We have people who request, hey, I want to do this, but I don't want anyone to know that I did it. I don't need it. Please don't mention my name. Please don't let them know. That is a true giver where it's not like, what am I getting out of this, but what can I give in this moment? 
What if we shift from praying selfishly to serving selflessly? But in order to do that, we need to lose this us versus them mentality. Anyone ever watched the TV show Lost? Do you remember that? There, there was this TV show. It was like a lot of seasons. I don't know what it was, 10 seasons. You watched all 10 seasons, and you were just lost. <laughs> there were these people that were called the others. The others. We live in a culture today where it's us and them. It's the others. Oh, you're like, you're a Democrat, but then there's the others. You're a Republican, and then there's the, the others. What if we stop dehumanizing people? What if, we, what if we stop demonizing people? We serve people not because of who they are. We serve people because of who we are. Winston Churchill said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Here's the thing, the more you get, the more you're able to give. Oh, if I had more time to unpack this. By what I'm saying here, I'm not suggesting that you should just give everything away. When I was in the junior high, I gave everything I had to the church. It was almost $1,000. That night, I got to go home and sleep in my bed, have dinner at my kitchen table, wake up and put on the clothes I had. Because I was in the junior high and my parents paid for everything. If I gave away everything I had now, you see, we tend to think like it's this life where we just give everything away. But that doesn't put you in a position to continually be able to live open-handed. Maybe you own a business and you still got many good years ahead. You're like, I'm going to sell my business. I'm going to give everything away. But if Rather than selling your business right now, if you were to keep building that business, you would continue to give other people opportunities to generate an income, to live open-handed. The years, let's say you're 30 years old, if you run that business for, let's just say, another 30 or plus years, the amount that you could give away in that time period, getting, there is nothing wrong with getting. The issue is what are you doing with what you're giving, with what you're getting? Is it flowing through you, or is it just trying to contain it all for you, for saving stuff that you can't take with you into the afterlife? You can be great, but, but we need to deny ourselves. We need to give more than we get. And then the third thing I want to encourage you on is to build God's house. Anyone ever told you, mind your own business? I remember back in the day, we say, mind your own beeswax. When Jesus was young, and his parents lost track of him, <laughs> they find him. Jesus, didn't you know I would be here? That I would be about my father's business? Whose business are you involved in? See, many of us are praying to just God, God, help me escape the problem. But as the church, we're here to say, where is the problem? We need to help be the solution. So rather than let's escape the problem, how can we involve ourselves in the problem? Where it's not just lip service, we're living our lives to, to say, how can we make a difference? And we got so many excuses, so many good excuses. You could be like, I, got, I, got, I just don't have time right now. 
it's just a season of life. I got these other things. Like we have so many excuses, but are we going to give excuses or are we going to make up in our minds to be involved? This mom. Like you got to think, like she must have been a good mom. She did something right if two of her boys were picked by Jesus to be disciples. Can one of them, Jesus, can one of them be sitting on your right and one of them at your, at your left? Great places of honor next to Jesus. This mom was one of the few people, was one of the few followers of Jesus who was actually at the cross. And she had asked Jesus, can my boys be on your right and be on your left? And I wonder if she was learning a lesson at the cross. Not just he's paying for my sins, but, but look who's to his right and look who's to his left. Two sinners. James and John. I wonder if they, they, as following Jesus, learned their lesson that it's not about chasing places of honor. It's not about chasing thrones. It's about living our lives open open-handed, living our lives as Jesus died with his arms wide, wide open. When I was 16 years old, I became a janitor here. The first janitor our church ever had was my grandpa. He owned a gas station, but bathrooms needed to be cleaned, so he cleaned bathrooms. Tomorrow, we'll mark the 24th, he, was, he died two days after you were born, 24, 24 years ago tomorrow, he, he will have passed away. And, and he and my grandma lived open-handed. That's just, they served. That's what I grew up with. That's what was modeled. When I was 16 years old, I became a janitor. Discovered how messy Christians are. <laughs> like, people are like, what y'all doing in the bathroom? Like, how does this even happen? Like, you know, these things, you're just like. And then, you know, over 30 years later, I'm so, I'm still dealing with your crap. <laughs> that's, the, that's the Jesus way. Where it's like whatever needs to be done. Not about chasing, not about chasing a throne, but but serving is the true path to greatness. There's something on the inside of you that wants to be great. There's something inside of you that, that, that wants to make a difference. And if you were to talk to the people that you think have achieved that, you'd find out how, how empty they feel. They get there and like, was this it? Was this? They can take their private jets. They can sit in their offices and look out. But where you know true greatness is is when you're doing it the Jesus style and you're serving people, even serving the people who reject you, people who think different than you. There's a whole lot of problems out there. And I'm, I'm calling on us to go into the new, to develop the spirit of a warrior, but also to develop the heart of a servant. Say, uh, I'm gonna deny myself. Uh, I'm going to give more than I get in this life and I'm going to build God's house.